Welcome to the Crafty Ass Female Podcast, an audio show that talks about the resourceful ways we women are living our lives and the crafty projects we create in between. We are your hosts, Amanda Zampelli and Kristen Tweedale, and we believe you are a capable badass who already has all the tools you need to make beautiful things and make beautiful things happen. We're just here to remind you. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Kristen. Hi, Heather. Hi, girls. Welcome to Crafty S Female. We're so happy to have you. So listeners, today we have Heather Spooner on the show, who is a full-time hand lettering artist, muralist, and educator. She owns Ampersand Lettering Lab and creates original hand lettering art for print, mural installation, and various freelance projects. And you met Kristen at the Creative Retreat. Hugo. I did. I did. I did. Yeah. Fun. So you girls got to know each other, and now I'm meeting you for the first time here. Welcome. Thanks. You sound like a perfect fit for this show, so we're happy uh, to have you. Thank you. I am yeah. so honored. I was, you asked me to be part of this. Yeah. Yeah, I'm super excited for this conversation. It's going to be fantastic. So I think we should just dive in. Let's do it. I am super psyched for everyone to get to know Heather because she is fantastic and amazing. So let's just dive in and tell us about your creative backstory. What was creativity like for you as a kid? And then we will get into how Ampersand Lettering Lab started. But let's let's first talk about what creativity. And hopefully somewhere in there too that you were used to be a teacher because that's like. Yeah, that's going to be a big part of your story. So I'm excited for that, that reveal. That hits me right in the heart. Okay. <laughs> So yeah, so what was, what was little leather, what was, yeah, what, leather, because I was going to, I'm, I'm, I'm melding lettering and Heather together, because I know they are big, big parts. Lettering is a huge, has always been a huge part of your life. It's true. It's true. It has been a big part of my life ever since I was really small. Even when I was in elementary school, I was the girl that people would come to when they needed cards made for their parents, or they needed signs or posters made for the talent show or a soccer game or you name it. I was asked to make something creative for it. And that followed me through all of my schooling. So um, I, I graduated from elementary school, birthday cards onto like homecoming posters and things of that nature, but it never stopped. I was always that, that girl to, that people would come to to make things. And um, we'll kind of bounce back and forth on this, but if we follow this thread even further, um, obviously in an elementary school classroom, there's plenty of need for creative type projects. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went to school to become a teacher and what better way to put my creative uh, skills to use than to put them to use in a classroom. Um, So I spent quite a lot of time in a classroom and taught fifth grade and was able to use a ton of my creative skills when I was teaching in the classroom. Um, I ended up ultimately leaving teaching And I moved to New Zealand and lived in New Zealand for some time. And then upon returning to the States, knew that I didn't want to go back into public education. I knew my heart wasn't in it anymore. Um, And meanwhile, those same people who were asking me to do all of these things when I was a kid were now buying houses and getting married and having babies. 
and they were still coming to me to ask for those things. <laughs> so uh, in the midst of trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, I started making cards for people. And one day decided I was going to sit down and I was going to put them on this thing called Instagram. Instagram for yeah. business wasn't a thing yet. So it was just my personal email or personal business account. And or, I'm sorry, my personal Instagram account. And I put some Halloween cards up for sale. And I, I think I typed a message that said something like $4.50 for these cards. And I had four of them. And three of them were bought by people I knew. And one was bought by someone I didn't know. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm going to do this again tomorrow. <laughs> so the next day I made four more cards and I did the same thing and same thing. Three people I knew bought them and one person that I didn't know bought them. And it was different than the person before. So that kind of led me down this path to try and figure out how I could get more strangers to buy my stuff. Because <laughs> ultimately I would end up running out of people I knew and would need to start asking people I didn't know to buy things. Uh, all the while not thinking that this was going to turn into what I did as a job. Um, I hesitated because I know in my heart that what I'm doing is absolutely what I'm meant to be doing right now. But there was a time when I didn't think that owning a business, especially an art business, was a viable option for somebody with a higher education degree. Right. Totally. Right. I mean, so, like, yeah, that's that's not what we were told as kids. Right. And it's not in any drop down menu. Right. I challenge. Yeah. You. Oh, my God. When yeah. you have to Still. fill out a form and they ask you what your occupation is or they ask you at the doctor's office what your occupation is and you fill out that form. <laughs> nobody, nobody respects an artist when you write an artist in there. So there was some uh, unsubscribing, unsubscribing I had to do from those channels and those that programming that I had built into me from very early on. Mm -hmm. I love that the unsubscribing of the channels you had built in. That is that sums up a lot of things. Oh yeah, <laughs> just yeah. in life. And I love to like that part of your story where you said, like. I did four cards and like, like, I feel like we, me and Kristen talk about how like to do, um, not the word isn't sustainable or realistic, like realistic <laughs> goals and to set realistic goals and stuff that you can actually do. And sometimes that means like, instead of going like, Oh, I'll own a business in two years, I'll own a business in three years. Like it's still like, a, sometimes when we make a realistic goal, it's still rather large, but right. something like that where, t where you say, I'm going to make four cards and sell them for $4 each and see what happens anyone and their mother could do like you know what I mean like that's what I think we need to do when we say like realistic goals like even like just anyone could start like that is my point I guess right and I didn't even have the intention at the time that I was going to start a business I was just right. doing it because it was fun and I saw people were responding to it and I am a 100% a people person. So I respond when I see people reacting to things. And I saw people reacting to buying these silly little cards. And I, I wanted to, to fulfill that need. And I wanted to supply them with this fun, cool thing they wanted. Cool. So that came from like, I just feel like trying this and doing this. And at that point, you knew you didn't want to go back to teaching but you didn't have any um, inkling that it, this would be like a business. Correct. So I 
was applying feverishly to any job that had a posting on the internet. And I knew I still wanted to teach in some capacity. So whether that was like outreach for a hospital or an education coordinator position at the zoo, something in that realm, I knew that educating other people needed to be involved. Um, it turns out <laughs> that there are so many jobs that are looking for something so specific, you'll never meet that qualification. And no matter who I applied to, what interview I went to, every single person would either say you're overqualified or, you know, something of the, of the sort. And I ended up all the while, while I'm going to all these interviews is when I'm still drawing, I'm still making cards mm -hmm. for people. I'm still, you know, putting together wedding things for some friends. And eventually after I posted those cards on Instagram, in the following days, I said, you know what? I heard about this thing called Etsy. I'm going to put some cards on this thing. So I had this like hodgepodge little shop on Etsy. And the best kinds. <laughs> oh, yeah. I threw it up with a hope and a prayer that somebody was going to think it was as cool as I did. Just like anybody when they're starting out, right? Like nobody believes in you more than you believe in yourself or right. cares about what you're doing more than you do for yourself. Um, so I put some cards in the shop and slowly over time, I realized I was putting so much energy into this thing that I was no longer looking for jobs on the internet. And at some point decided, Heather, you can make this a real thing. You need to just figure out how to do it. And without a business background, it was like, you know, one little tiny step, but it's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like yeah. a lot of steps backwards before we made an actual forward step. But hey, we're here, we figured it out. But um, it was quite the journey to, to figure out how to make a hobby a business. And before we continue forward with the story, going back a little bit, all the cards and stuff you were making for people had always had that lettering, like the hand lettering part, like part of you on it. And you never went to school for that or art. It just always is something that developed. Yeah. Yeah. Over time and, and just practice. Yeah. Lots of practice. Lots of, and it's almost a gift I didn't know I was given. I, right. Not, not the actual talent itself, but rather the gift of not being formally educated in something. I had the ability to just play and do whatever I wanted. And if it looked cool, it was good enough. I didn't ever, ever have somebody over my shoulder saying, oh, but that doesn't look like how it should or do this instead. I did what I thought looked cool and hoped other people thought it looked cool too. Such and, a major advantage. <laughs> oh, huge advantage. But yeah. I was raised in a really creative household. I have two very creative parents. My dad is a ridiculously talented woodworker. And my mom, I don't think there's anything my mom couldn't make. Um, boxes of craft supplies. Anytime you needed something, it existed. And I never knew where it lived in our house. <laughs> it was just magic. We would sit at the dining room table. And I remember specifically on half days off of school or snow days or, or things like that, she'd bring out these boxes and there were like swatches of neon colored fur, different googly <laughs> eyes, um, crazy beads. 
And she used them from some project in her prior life and she'd bring them out and let us play with them. And we would design, my dad worked for Ford Motor Company, <laughs> only recently retired, but um, we would make, he'd wear like white shirts underneath his work uniform and we would design so many white shirts with puffy paint and sequins <laughs> and glitter. And that man wore those shirts to work under his work shirt like they were, you know, gold medals. He loved them so much. That's amazing. I love yeah. that story. Okay, Kristen. Oh, I thought, no, okay. I don't even know what I was going to say now. No, I was oh. just got really, I got really into <laughs> thinking about I love that story. The, the, pro, yeah, the, the projects we used to do as kids and how that informs so much of the way that we do our art as adults. You're absolutely like, right. right. The freedom that we had as kids with art supplies and with creativity because I know a lot of the people that I teach now, one of the first things that I hear or I tend to hear is, I'm not creative. And like, that's the only thing that makes you not creative is that you're saying you're not creative. Right. You've made a choice at that point. Right. I deal with and, the same thing in my workshops. And like, sure, that can be a huge barrier. Like, you are literally your own worst enemy. And I know we all have that in so many different aspects of our lives. But great thing is you can just choose to be creative and you can, you know, start with a tiny little thing one day and just do a little bit more the next day. And, you know, even at, you know, 80, you can start being creative. Like even at 95, you can start being creative now. There's nothing actually, actually stopping you. Just because you weren't creative for the first 95 years of your life doesn't mean that like, there's some innate bone or muscle or like chemical inside our bodies that makes us creative. Absolutely. I think it's also important to note that being creative doesn't mean that your stuff has to look like somebody else. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are really hung up on the fact or on the thought that if it doesn't look like person X, it must not be creative. Doing a thing and, and completing a thing is creative. It doesn't yes. have to look like anything. Right. Much less look like mine or hers or theirs. That's totally. I That is such a good point because I think that subconsciously what we do, we view someone who we view as creative. And if we're not matching that level of it, it's, it you're right. It does attach to certain people and ideas of what we view as creative and we right. don't even look down and go what I did was just creative. Yeah, we true. use other people as kind of a measuring tool right. to, to measure our creativity and our things that we accomplish up to. We need to be nicer yeah. to ourselves. We always need to be nicer to ourselves. That's such a good point. So, okay, so back to your story. So you're on Etsy. So how long did Etsy happen before it became ampersand or was there a step in between? I think that that's a really good question, but I think that there's a, uh... I know Heather and I think I know Heather a little bit. So I think we're going to go back even further. And I know Heather mentioned before that she up and moved to New Zealand for a little while before moving up to Michigan. So I want to give her a chance to unpack that and maybe a little bit more of her backstory. Buckle up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and if I'm being honest, we have to go back even further than that. Absolutely. I um, 
because just jumping off from here and saying, yes, I, I left teaching and I moved to New Zealand seems like this really brave, big thing. <laughs> and, and it took me a really long time to become that version of Heather. So long before this, in that house where I was creating really cool stuff with my parents and my sister, um, I was also living in a home and in a culture and in a demographic that was being instilled with values of what it meant to be a good girl, what it meant to be, uh, there, there was a right way to do your life and, and dare I say a wrong way to do your life, maybe a, a way you were going to do your life to make your family proud and, and the other way, which we don't talk about because you will not go down that path. And, and to some extent, as an adult now, I understand, you know, the divergence, but I subscribe so heavily to the idea that I must follow this outline that was laid before me as a child. And I, damn, I was good at it, y'all. I was real good at it. Uh, like, like never missed a day of school good at it like responded to Santa Claus letters in the Kiwanis Club mailbox at the community center, good at it. I checked every box in the good column. If there was a good column, I checked every box on the good column. Um, and, and all of that to say, I was so obsessed with doing it right that I never looked up to see that there were other options. I had blinders on, I had like my, my good girl blinders on and I was forging ahead to like complete the next goal, get to the next level, whatever that was. Totally. So yeah. in school, that's easy, right? You just, you, yes. you get good grades. You're the captain of every team. You are on honor society. You're on the board for honor society. You are student council vice president. You win snowball queen, the winter formal. Put that crown on my head. What? <laughs> um, all the things. Then uh, post school, post high school, I went to college on a volleyball scholarship. Check that box off. That's like a bonus box. And get a four-year degree and leave a teacher, which is on a drop-down menu. And people know what a teacher is. And it's a really comfortable profession because you can sit on an airplane next to someone. And when they say, what do you do? You can say, oh, I'm a teacher. <laughs> And they look at you yeah. with this like grin of approval that like, oh, I know what that is. And you make money, so you must be successful. Good job. So I, I became a teacher. I left college with a great, I had a great experience in college. I, I wouldn't change it for anything. Being a student athlete is like no other experience. I, you, I can't describe that to anybody. Um, Going from college into adulthood was when I first started noticing like almost like little uh, flickers of light in my eyeballs. And, and for the first time, I remember like questioning that maybe there is more to this life than what other people tell me I should be doing. Yeah. So I left Michigan and I taught school in Atlanta, Georgia. I went prior to moving to Atlanta, I went to a job fair. 
every Michigan teaching table had lines wrapped around it. I had 12 resumes and I said, eh, screw this. I'm meeting mom for lunch at 1230. How quick can I get rid of these? 11 of them went out to other states because I didn't really care where I ended up. I had one resume left. I was on my way out the door to meet my mom for lunch. And this giant man stepped in front of me and he said, I bet you want to come teach in Georgia. I said, like hell I do. I want to go to lunch. <laughs> that man became my first principal and he hired <laughs> me because he said, I like you kid. And uh, offered me a job that day. I went down a couple weeks later for my formal interview and I taught in this building with this wonderful man um, and then ended up moving schools. But even leaving the state was kind of my first little flicker that, oh, I don't have to stay here. And, right. and my family, for the most part, had stayed relatively close. And I, I think I subscribed to this notion that you stay where you were raised, you raise a family, you take care of your parents, you visit your grandparents on Sundays, things like that. And it didn't occur to me that you could leave. So, so leaving was kind of my first step saying to myself, hmm, you can, you don't have to keep going this way. You can also do this and nothing bad's going to happen to you. So I left uh, Michigan. I taught in Georgia. I taught in Georgia for five years. Um, I moved to Atlanta with my then college boyfriend, um, also a student athlete, also born and raised in Michigan. We moved down to Atlanta and in my mind, based on my predetermined life checklist, you marry this person. And shortly after we moved to Georgia came a proposal from this person. And I said, yes, because why would you say something other than yes, this is your life goal. You, you get to progress to the next level if you check this box off. And I somewhere in my body knew that that wasn't what I wanted. How old were you? I was 22, which is already to be already old to be married in the South. <laughs> right. So I was, you know, in a elementary school setting with women who were like, so worried for me that I was an old maid at 22. I wasn't married, but they were ecstatic that I got engaged. So I rode that wave for a short amount of time. And I ultimately decided that I wasn't meant to get married. And I, at the time, didn't know if it was not to be married to him, if it was not to be married right now, or if it was not to be married ever. Simultaneously with this ending, so this all culminates, I'm engaged for five, four months, September, October, November, December. No, more than that. 10 months? No. Pause. How long was I engaged? Seven months. I was engaged for seven months. Um, and I 
was very uneasy about everything. I remember trying to plan this event and feeling like, how do I do this? What does everyone want? Mm. They want me to be this certain person. I even bought a dress. That dress still hangs in my parents' basement. It never got worn. And if you unzip it, it looks like it belonged to a different person. <laughs> it's insane. So, so get engaged in September, call it off in April. And in June, I am meant to, no, no, this is the wrong timeline. We're asking you to look back this story though. I'm so, while you're sharing i'm getting so many nuggets from it go ahead thanks okay um where i need to go okay hang on you're good good luck cutting this together i don't remember where i ended april i ended in april but seven months okay 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 so the wedding we called off the wedding in april and the year prior in june i had flown home for summer vacation and i was flying home by myself and they announced at the ticket counter that you could give up your seat for two extra tickets if uh you took the later flight and i thought well shoot i don't have to rush home to anything i might as well get these free tickets we can go somewhere this is great So I get in line and this person gets in line behind me and she asks me like, what are we in line for? I heard him say free something, something. I explain it. We, we kick out a line and the two of us just start chatting and turns out she's also from Michigan. She's also a teacher in Georgia. Uh, Even really crazy things like she was raised in the city. I ended up going to college in. like there are weird overlapping things. So uh, she's great. We chat the whole time. She gets asked at the last minute to get on the plane. She decides, you know what? I'm going to give this up. I'm just going to go on the plane. At the very last minute before the plane backs out, the stewardess comes off and says, we can't fly. We have one empty, empty seat. Do we have anyone we gave vouchers to? They look at me. They say, you have to get on this airplane. So I get on the airplane and the girl that was behind me in line stands up and says, you're sitting right here. (laughs) The only open seat left on this airplane is next to me. And, and you're sitting next to me. And the people behind her are like, do you know each other? She says, (laughs) no. So we chat the entire way home and see each other off. We, we exchanged phone numbers because there were far too many things in common to not stay in touch with this person. So again, this is June um we part ways we eventually reach out again and we decide throughout the course of that next year that anytime we fly home since we have the same teaching schedule we're going to just fly home together because we fly into the front to and from the same airport so she was my airplane friend (laughs) and uh for a year she was my airplane friend she predicted that we would get, I would get engaged to my college boyfriend. She was invited to my wedding. 
I never got married. <laughs> but I did marry that airplane friend. I married Christy in 2017. Uh, we, we ultimately decided to embark on whatever this was that we were feeling. Could it, could it be love? I don't know. That's not on the checklist. Um, in 2010, I met her in 2009. We decided we were going to try to figure this out in 2010. It took everything I knew and thought and felt about what it meant to be following this path and being a good person and just flip the table <laughs> because now I have to not only explain why I have chosen to not marry this person people think I'm supposed to marry because that's the next logical step and I have to explain I fell in love with a woman I met on an airplane <laughs> it was to date the most difficult thing I have ever had to overcome in my life because of the track record of check Check. Yeah, yeah. Like, this yeah. was not on the script. How do yeah. you explain this? How do you validate what this is? This is nowhere. There's no manual to consult. There are no people telling you like, yeah, yeah, you're scared and hiding because you're almost ashamed. You're, you're programmed to, to feel shame centered around this different love. It was a wild ride. Absolute insanity. So um, there was a lot in figuring out what it meant to love her that taught me how to unsubscribe from all of that programming mm -hmm. that I had so deeply ingrained into me from the word to go. Okay, I knew a lot of this. <laughs> I didn't know that you met online at an airport. Oh my God. Yeah. And that that's ascribed I, I i love that imagery i love the imagery of turning the table like you said <laughs> and just like it's such a grand gesture and everyone turns around to notice but like when you've never done anything like even move the glass two inches to the left like turning the i can identify with that you said when you um the part where you move to do this teaching i moved to texas for a while thinking that that was the end of my life. Like, oh, like yeah. just like when you said you can move in that story, like even that, like some people listening is like, yeah, you can move. Like they just understand. But when you're so prescribed to like what you've been taught around you, it is true. Like that the slightest movement is like a threat to your being. Oh, absolutely. And <laughs> yeah. you truly feel that it's over. Yeah. Like, your life as you know it is over. And in some respects it is because it's going right. to change. It isn't gonna be the same life it was before this thing. It's going to change and I hope it changes. And I hope for all your listeners that there is a moment in their life where they can kind of reference back and it there's a before and they're on a, the other side of something saying like, yeah, I am different now than I was then. And hopefully it's for the better. Thanks. Yeah, I think everyone, it would be great if everyone had a, a moment where it's like, yeah. And now everything 
is is better because of this. And I think when things are better because of something, that something is almost never easy. Oh, 100%. Uh, nothing, nothing that you can look back fondly on and see your transformation and growth from is going to be a walk in the park. There's, there's uh, this whole idea that if you, if you don't feel things, you can't heal from them. Right. So, and so okay. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about this with you. It's not like you made this one brave decision with Christy and you just became Heather, brave woman, completely brave for now and eternity. No. So talk us through what happened with Etsy and now what is Ampersand Lettering Lab? Yeah, for sure. So there's a lot of um, deprogramming that happened and a lot of time spent understanding my own feelings and understanding and naming my own feelings and knowing that they were valid and worth feeling. It felt really hard to overcome being the box checker that everyone expected me to be um, without feeling like I needed to, you know, come back to town with all the fanfare and a parade and be like, guess what? (laughs) Um, It, it, took a really long time to find my foothold and and be able to like stand sturdily and loudly say this is my life and I'm okay with it um there's a lot of especially in um the LGBT community there is a lot of I I think when you're young, there's a lot of controversy over the idea or around the idea of choice. Um, There are people that use the phrase, if that, if that's your, if that's your choice, if that's what you choose. Right. And the tone they use tells you exactly what choice they don't want you to make. Correct. Um, And I felt faced with that a lot where it was like, oh, this is your, this is your choice now. I mean, you could have had this this is your Mm. choice. And I had to get to a place where I was very comfortable saying back to these people. Absolutely. I choose myself always. This is my choice. Right. It's not, it might not be your choice and it may not be your choice for me, but guess what? You have no skin in the game and you don't get to tell me what my choice gets to be. That's why it's mine. So I spent a really long time trying to find words and find strength in my voice to be able to look people in the face and to not only be sure of who I was, but to be proud of who I was. I think that's a great point. And to, to bring choice into it the way that you are bringing choice into it of like, sure, Maybe you don't have a choice in who you love, who you're attracted to, who, but you have a choice in, I'm going to stand up for myself. I'm going to believe in myself. I'm going to choose to do the thing that is best for me. I'm not going to choose to be a people pleaser. I'm not going to choose to make choices for myself that 
actively harm me and the people that I love. Right. Because those are bad choices. And if I continue to make those choices, then I'm going to have a bad life. Mm-hmm. And, and as young people, as teens, and we don't have a lot of agency. Mm-hmm. And that's when having choices and like remembering back to those times having people say things like well you know these are your choices and it's like well you know dude i only have like three choices a day so give me my fucking choices right but now when we're in our 30s and we need to be making choices healthier choices adulting choices of like yeah, this is my goddamn choice. Mm-hmm. This is my life. I am going to choose me. Because you're sure as hell not choosing me. So why should I choose you? That's true. But I do have to say there are a lot of people who will choose you and they will love you. And you can't, I, I'm saying, I'm speaking from a really personal place. I think my default was to expect the worst with people instead of just letting them love me. And I, I had to like let my guard down and say, oh, you love me and you really do love me and it's okay. I'm okay because it's okay. I am who I am and you still love me. I think I had built up so much armor because I was scared and I was trying to protect myself that I wasn't letting people love me. And there are a lot of people who love you. I literally just had a very long conversation with my therapist about this exact same thing literally that 100% that and about how mine stems from high school so because because you were saying like in the beginning too like I've tried to be the good person like good 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 like that word Mm -hmm. and then and then to think that one checkbox would negate all the good like you know what I mean it it is well it's like that poisoning of the well right and I just feel like no like the good will always be seen and be appreciated because that's the nature of good. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's true. And I think there is, there is so much good and and we need to just pay attention to, to the good instead of worrying about the bad all the time. Yeah. Uh, Something I was going to say earlier is um, funny enough when I would drive back, we had, t- we had talked earlier, Amanda, about how we feel like these things end us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this very much was a life ending moment for me where I was like, how do you get to the other side of this? How do I, how do I own this? How do I do this? I don't know how to do this. Um, every day on my way home from the school I taught at back to our apartment where we lived in Atlanta, I would pass the water treatment plant and on one of the large tanks at the water treatment plant was the Atlanta city crest. And it's this giant Phoenix rising from the ashes with the word resurgence above it. I passed it every day and it was the world, I think, reminding me that, that there, there's an after to this, like you'll rise again. You'll, you'll be able to come out of this and be better. And, and this isn't the end. Yeah. And it was just this beautiful symbolism that I got to see as I drove home to the best life I knew and was still afraid to to tell people about. 
Did you see the symbol and it hit you that way right away, or did it take a repeated amount of times? Uh, I think it took a lot, a long time to to see it for what it was. I mean, obviously, I physically saw it every day. Yeah. Um, but the idea of a phoenix rising from the ashes and and in paralleling it to my kind of coming out story it didn't happen until much later. Mm. Uh, something else I was going to touch on is I think too, when you make these crazy, you know, life realizations, there are so many other people that are contributing dialogue with no backstory. So Mm -hmm. that in my case, there were so many people that had wanted to write my story for me. They wanted to say, you know, well, I didn't know you were a lesbian. I didn't know you, you loved girls your whole life. You hold on a minute. Wait you're making these stories up to fill some narrative in your mind so that you're okay with my life. Right. Hold on a second, delete that. And let me tell you what, how we got here. Yeah. I was friends with Christy for a year before I realized she was my person. Yeah. I wanted to call her if I had a good day. I wanted to call her if I had a bad day. I wanted to call her if I had something funny to say or if I had nothing to say at all. And when the tables kind of turned and I realized that like she was my person, like I then had to come to terms with the outside world telling me that that was a a different love because it felt very right. Mm -hmm. And it didn't matter what package this person came in she was the best person i had ever met and she made me be a better version of myself and i wish that for anybody and there is no possible way i could have turned away from that and i don't think anyone would be able to if they were open enough to understand that the people that come to you in your life can come for a multitude of reasons and it's like their soul and their being that is coming to you, not the packaging they come in. She's also like the most adorable person. Like she's just really adorable. She is pretty great. She's really adorable. She's great. And like on your IG stories, like she's just. She's like that all the time. Well, I could just like, <laughs> I've seen her on your IG stories. And then now like when you said like she popped up on the airplane and said your seat was here, I could just see that. Yeah, oh, no, Absolutely. <laughs> It's a hundred percent her. And, and I think that is another thing is she has never been different from the moment I met her. She's been the same person and without going into a deep dive, she also has never been with another female. So it was a very, very weird, rocky road to kind of, uh, overcome the stereotypes people have when they see two women together. It's such an amazing story, Heather. Thanks. And then so that sparked the journey to name your business. Yeah, it did. It sparked the, the, the journey to name my business. Um, we early on in our relationship, we pause. We're going to have to strike it and reverse it for something before we get to Ampro Sand Lettering Lab. I have to tell you about my other business. Yeah. After Christy and I had taught for a while, we both knew that teaching wasn't for us. She taught kindergarten. I taught fifth grade. We were at different schools. We were in different school districts. 
Um, but we, at the end, she, she taught six years, I taught five. And at the end of that year, slightly before the end of that year, we had made the decision that we weren't returning to education and we had spent the last few months traveling and we didn't know if it was like, we're gonna move to Boston, we're gonna move to Chicago. We were up for anything. Um, we had also seen on Pinterest that you could travel the world on a shoestring budget. So I clicked on it one night and there was this link to this program called WorkAway. And it is like a work travel program where people put their needs up and you can go help them with whatever project in exchange for housing and food. So we left to New Zealand to travel and live in New Zealand for a year and do that. We worked with 15 different families. We did all kinds of crazy stuff. And we returned to the States and that's when that whole spiral of, of figuring out um, what was next started to happen. And, and in the midst of figuring out what was next was when I started creating cards and, and putting things on Etsy and kind of doing the, the artsy things that I didn't think I could do because it isn't a quote real job meaning you can't tell somebody what you do when you're sitting next to them in public because they don't understand. Um, and I opened this Etsy shop and I branded everything with pink flowers and lacy things and scripty fonts. And I named it this frilly name because I thought that's what everyone else wanted. Here we thought I had overcome that and it turns <laughs> out I hadn't. Um, so I had worked tirelessly to kind of overcome this, like what everyone expected me to be. And then so quickly I leaned back into it and was like, let me just do what everyone else wants. So I, I ran that business for a year, two years, I think. And I then attended the retreat that I, this past year went back to kind of help mentor uh, where I met Kristen. I had attended that retreat as an attendee and I walked in the door and this woman walked up to me and she went, you're my old business name. You are nothing like I thought you'd be. Oh girls. I was like taking earrings off and putting shoes on. <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm. What now? I'm what? I was so pissed. <laughs> I was so pissed. That she attached how the brand yeah, looked. Yeah, she's like, I expected you to be pink and frilly and, and oh. cutesy, girl. You're kind of edgy, and I like that. So it was like a compliment, but oh. how she came out. Oh, I was like, of. we aren't going to be friends. Yeah. It turns out yeah. we are friends, and we're still friends. Yeah. <laughs> and I ended up drafting my ver the final version of my current logo on her couch. <laughs> but uh, I left that retreat fuming. Oh, I, smoke coming out of my ears. It, because I knew she was right. I knew that I was going to have to change this business if it was going to be truly who I was. And I vowed on my drive home in that tiny ass rental car, I am six <laughs> feet tall. I was in, I mean, I was eating my kneecaps. This car was so small and I was mad. So anger makes everything smaller. <laughs> Yeah, that's so true. So, so pissed driving down the freeway. But I made a vow that day that I would never meet another person who 
didn't get what they expected when they met me in person because I had worked so hard in my personal life to be the person that I knew was right and true and, and good for me. I wanted a business that matched that so that I didn't ever have to feel like somebody would, would insult me with the words, you're nothing like I expected you to be ever again, because those words hurt so bad because I had felt like I had put in so much work to be on the other side of that, that I didn't want to go back to that feeling. So February of 18, I rebranded as Ampersand Lettering Lab. And the Ampersand um, is the traditional symbol uh, that came after the letter Z in the alphabet as the 27th letter, as the phrase and per se and. Um, it has since disappeared. We now have 26 letters in case anyone doesn't know that. Um, that was a fun fact. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but, but back in the very beginning of my relationship with Christy, uh, we, like I said, we're living in the South and at the time, because we're talking like pre-marriage equality passing, uh, we had nothing in our contracts that are in our teaching jobs, protecting us for our relationship. So we were asked to not talk about it. We were asked to never tell our students about it. We were asked to never talk about each other. We celebrated a commitment ceremony and we were told, oh, that's nice, but we shouldn't have a shower at school when you know Pam down the hall is getting married for a fourth time and we throw her a shower in the media center. Uh, we, we can't do that for you. And we both just bit the bullet and said, okay. I mean, for our commitment ceremony, we both couldn't get the day off and had to put on our off day off notice forms that we had dentist appointments. We were having a commitment ceremony and we couldn't celebrate it. All of that to say, anytime we communicated, we dared not say, I love you or anything of the sort in fear of being caught and it resulting in our jobs being terminated. This so makes me just like seething. We yeah. decided that the ampersand in its traditional, like traditional form looked like a person with their arms crossed, giving a hug. And because it was a normal stroke on a keyboard, we could hide it in an email and it would look like a normal keystroke. So the ampersand became our secret, I love you. So no one would find out about us. Nobody would question a damn thing and we could keep our jobs and we could communicate. So when it came time to pick a new business name, I felt like the thing I used to hide my love and hold such an important meaning in our relationship needed to be the thing that identified me publicly as a business owner that I would no longer hide behind. And it didn't have to be a symbol of me hiding anything. Incredible. It's, it's, it's amazing. It <laughs> brings everything full circle. It's fantastic. Yes. And I love how you make it just, it's so bold. It's so like, just the air. It's black and white. It's just unapologetic yeah, yeah. really to, to, 
really use nice. a word Amanda that steals. I'm going to steal a word from Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> it's really nice to uh, feel like, you know, there are countless people on the internet who will tag me in something because there's an ampersand in it. And it makes me feel so much joy to know that people associate me with that symbol because I, I associate so much with it. I mean, I even have it tattooed on my body because I, I am so, you know, it, it means so much to me, but yeah, it's, it's been a really cool ev evolution to kind of watch everything in my personal life and my business life get to a place where I am confident telling my story and I'm no longer doing things to check off anything on someone else's imaginary list. Yeah. So tell us now how people can find you and get involved with things that you're doing. Great. People can find me everywhere at Ampersand Lettering Lab, uh, Instagram at Ampersand Lettering Lab, Facebook at Ampersand Lettering Lab. Disclaimer, not so good at Facebook. Yeah, um, <laughs> and I feel like that's, a given with most yeah. people. <laughs> I mean, it, but it we're exists. still there. It's still there. Uh, and my own website, www.ampersandletteringlab.com. Awesome. I have a link to all of it in the show notes. Yeah. So, okay. So I, we've been talking about resiliency, like literally the entire episode. So one question we've been asking everybody this season, season six is how has resiliency come up for you in your life? So tell us, either one way that sticks out to you, one of your favorite ways that you've been incredibly resilient, a way that you think resiliency is super important to you right now. What, what, when you hear resiliency or resilience, what is coming up for you right now? I mean, despite saying everything that <laughs> right, I have just I know. talked about, um, I think First, it's important to maybe define resilience in my terms. Please. Um, I really believe that being resilient means that you've given yourself permission to feel pain and the hurt that comes along with those hard things in life and making a choice for your own happiness instead of your own suffering. Great definition. Yeah, that's really good. I love that you you both say, like, yeah, this is painful, but also we can experience happiness while being in pain. Yeah, and you never see it when it's happening. It's always in hindsight. Yeah. And it, it seems cliche to talk about, you know, like, oh, seeing the growth after the brokenness or whatever. But it's you true. It's so true. And you have really... to allow yourself to feel, the, feel those things. And I think yeah. so much of what was programmed in my mind was, you know, to be happy, to be good, to be all of these positive emotions that when you had hard emotions, those got swept under the rug. Right. They, like, they were like whitewashed. Yeah. Yeah. And they were somehow less good than the positive yeah. emotions that we wanted to focus on. And that's yeah. not who we are. We are these people. We are not these yeah. people. Uh, and, and, and it took a really long time for me to understand that, like, there, there are two hands out and they are both equal. Right. That's the same. That, that, you can 
you can be that person. That those things can exist at the same time. Absolutely. I, yeah. Yes. I felt the same thing with like specifically with my headaches. For the longest time, I felt like I was not good because I had headaches. Because I was succumbing to pain, something was wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, yeah, I mean, obviously there was, you know, something Medically, was wrong. Yeah. But, you know, something... I was somehow, like, inferior to the self that I had when I was not having headaches. And, like, that's, you know... Like, I wasn't allowing myself to be happy when I had headaches. Like, but... Yeah. It was only after, like, literally, like years of working with my therapist and she's the one who uses the word resilience all the time of like yeah you are allowed to you know be in pain and I think that that that's one of the things that's happening a a lot for us all right now is Mm -hmm. we're going through grief you know we can't go out and hug all of our people what I would give what I would give to hug every single person in this world right now well, like, uh, our friend Kaylin just had on her Instagram stories, like, who is the person you are most looking forward to hugging right now? And I'm like, that's a great question. Mm-hmm. Because, like, we're all going through something that is, you know, taking away from us right now. Right. But at the same time, there are still lots of pockets of happiness. Right. And I think when we talk about the term resilience, I think a lot of people see, look at that term as, like, um we'll use the phoenix phoenix example this this beautiful glittery gold phoenix and they ignore the fact that there is fire underneath it right that that resilience doesn't mean you did this this good thing and it it was easy and here i am it's this shiny great thing that i i i i'm resilient like like you're bulletproof or something right right or fireproof it's not that Resilience right. means you've been through some shit and you made a decision on the other side of it to choose your own happiness. Yes, 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 yes. And, like, I love the Phoenix metaphor because, like, in the Harry Potter books, when Harry's up in Dumbledore's office, he's like, oh, man, dude, your bird just died and it looked like shit. <laughs> and it's like, well, yeah, I mean, like, if you are a Phoenix, you have to die to be reborn. Mm-hmm. And, like, that part's not going to be easy. Like, you know, it's not going to be like, oh, just walking down the street one day and then just close your eyes and you're dead and then you're reborn. Oh, yeah. No, like, yeah. Rebirth is about going through some shit. Yeah. Yeah. We had that conversation recently with this question with someone who, like, our symbol or the one I picked for it is like a fist in the air, right? Like, and that's very triumphant. Even the phoenix is kind of like a triumphant rising up symbol. Mm-hmm. But when we talked about like how resilience is so often accompanied with tears and confusion, and it's not at all this, you know, it's yeah. just well, it's tears. only that until like yeah, way after when you can like yeah, that's the pretty part. That's the part back. that people people see and then they they remember that good part. Yeah. They, they don't remember the hard part, but it's important to remember to get to the good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of really shitty stuff. Something yeah, else think- touching on what you're saying about resilience and something that I can feel uh, proud about right now in, in showing that resilience is kind of the pivot I've made in this current climate of COVID-19 to kind of make some alternate business offerings that I wouldn't have typically offered. Um, 
stemming from the fact that a lot of my really big mural clients have backed out for the year. Mm. Um, and it has forced me to figure out a different way to keep my business relevant and uh, still have something to offer to the community. I think that that's, it's so important to do to just kind of like make small pivots. It's not like you have to fully reinvent your business. Mm -mm. It's just, you know, who are the people that I can serve right now from where I'm standing? With what I have. Exactly. Yep. And you're right. You can't drive to the Detroit Zoo and go and hang out with the zoo animals right now. But, you know, you can be online and do some online stuff. Absolutely. And it's so cool. And can I ask, is that pivot the letter league? Because I kind of want to go into that. It is. I want to hear about it. It is. So the letter league... Uh, pause. This episode is going to be released when? Monday. Oh, so it'll be like in the middle of the week. Yeah. Assuming I, I, this that, doesn't sell out tomorrow. I was going to say, if that's, does that work for you? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. Okay. okay. The Letter League. So the Letter <laughs> League launches, uh, by the time this episode airs, it will be live. Uh, the Letter League launches Friday, April 17th. Uh, and the Letter League is essentially an old school pen pal program that I've kind of breathed new life into and recreated um, to give other adults a way to connect in a time where I feel like so much connection is lacking. Um, and this whole idea for a pen pal club was kind of birthed out of the fact that um, my wife celebrated her birthday last week. And I had asked people to send her cards, unbeknownst to her, in the mail. And every day I would go to the mailbox and collect cards for her. <laughs> no, and I get the mail. I get, get it. I get oh, it. yeah. Well, I get the mail every day because I love mail. <laughs> I love mail so much. And it didn't matter that it was not for me. I got so much joy seeing that there was stuff in the mailbox that wasn't garbage stuff. And I started thinking like, how do I bring the, uh, other people must feel this too. And, yes. and, and this feels really hopeful right now. And maybe I can help provide the same feeling of hope for other people. And that is what kind of got the gears turning for me. Disclaimer, this came after 29 days of doing nothing. So don't feel like I've been like, you know, the engine's been running this whole time because no, no. Fear not. I, I spent a lot of days calling it a win if I could get through breakfast without crying. Um, and we may return to that point. I mean, it, we're riding the wave, right? It, we don't know what this is. Um, but in the meantime, I was kind of crafting up what this looked like from a business standpoint. And I thought, well, it wouldn't be that difficult for me to pull together supplies and send out kits. And if I could find a way for everyone to register and, and fill out a little questionnaire, I feel confident I could match people because on any given day, I am that person that when I see you in town and I see you're carrying uh, things to make a cake, will say, oh, you know who you should know? <laughs> Julie, she bakes. Here's her phone number. And I can't do that right now. So I get a lot of joy out of connecting people. So uh, the letter league is essentially that I am going, you will purchase the kit. You will fill out a questionnaire. 
I will match you with a person who has similar interests and I will also ship to your door everything you need for your first 10 letters. So I've designed cards, I've designed envelope seals because germs, gross. I've designed um, like a little info card with some prompts that you'll get and uh, you'll get postage stamps in that box and you'll get a fun pen. So you have no excuse to not send a letter to your pen pal. You just have to write it and put it in the mail. It's such a brilliant idea. I'm so excited. Thanks. I'm super excited too. So if this sells out, do you have plans to do another round? I do have plans to do another round if this goes successfully. I have real high hopes for it. So Fantastic. Me too. I cannot <laughs> wait to... we're, we're recording this on Thursday, so signups are tomorrow. I cannot wait to sign up tomorrow. I'm, I'm real excited for it. And if, if by the time this airs, it's not available, fear not. I will find a way to create a waiting list. <laughs> Looking at you, Kristen. Fantastic. Oh, yes. We will, we will make this happen. Don't worry. We will make this happen. Okay. Let's, let's do some currently list. Yeah. So let's, this has been like one of my favorite episodes of all time. And like your story has so much gems and I think I'm going to love it. So we're going to conclude because this has to end at some point <laughs> with yeah. our currently um, round. So right. this is based off Kristen's currently card. Our listeners can get it at areyoukristen.com slash currently, and we're going to read it off on the podcast. You ready, Heather? I'm ready. Okay. What are you currently watching? I just finished this morning Unorthodox on Netflix, which was inspired by Deborah Feldman's memoir about how she left uh, her Hasidic Jewish community in Brooklyn, New York. It is fantastic. It was done very well. Oh, it was, it was good. Everyone was talking about it at our Seder last week. Oh, and it just fits so many themes of what we just talked about. You know, making a choice for yeah. yourself, uh, fear trapping you in certain situations that uh, you believe is, is bigger than your own needs and wants in life. And I think that theme of fear, but it not being actual fear, it's just pretend fear that other people tell us is there um, is relevant in every aspect of everyone's life. Totally. Yeah. What are you currently reading? I am rereading Big Magic by Liz Gilbert. I need to make that happen. I cannot believe Kristen has never, you have never read that, right? No. I cannot believe that. Two and a half years I've been in, the, in this podcast with you and we've never forced <laughs> you to read it. I'm a chronic book rereader, especially if I like it. That one's a good reread. It's a good reread. Um, yeah, it's a good reread. She has another book that I tend to reread at different seasons of my life um, called Committed. I think I've met I've her read book that on too. marriage. Yeah, the one that she got when she married. I think uh, the text actually changes every time I read it. I'm like, oh, this was not in here last time. <laughs> the book is the color of Kristen's shirt, isn't it? Um, I don't know because I think I, I had think, a hardcover. I don't know what the paper. Oh, was. I feel like it was an orange book. Anyway, yes. Anyway, what, what are you currently listening to? I'm currently listening to Yacht Rock Radio on Pandora. That's fun. Oh, it is sunshine in musical form. Fleetwood Mac, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff would love you for that. Uh, it is. He if my life, to... if my life had a soundtrack, it would be Yacht Rock and Motown, and and. <laughs> I mean, if that didn't suggest a Broadway musical, <laughs> any other Broadway musical could be inserted as well. He's trying to get me, we play rock band a lot. 
as our uh, way to de-stress, and he's constantly trying to get me to sing Yacht Rock songs. Oh, do <laughs> and... it. Yeah, do it. Sing, sing them and read Big Magic. Two things you're taking away from this. Yeah. <laughs> These are on my coronavirus to-do <laughs> to list. Do list yeah. Sing more <laughs> Yacht Rock and read Big Magic. Yep. yep. This is what I'm taking out of Corona. <laughs> Coronavirus <Please>. time. <laughs> Heather, what are you currently making? I am making a coconut milk snack cake recipe that I found yeah. online. Because we didn't have cow's milk in our house. We don't usually. Uh, but I had a can of coconut milk and I found this delicious recipe for a coconut milk cake. Super simple. We've made it multiple times in the last few weeks. Mwah, chef's kiss. Nice. Yeah. What are you currently feeling? Loaded question. Enough for another podcast, huh? Yeah. Um, currently <laughs> feeling like a surfer <laughs> on a very weird sea of emotions. That's what I'm currently feeling. Riding the I wave. I love that. I love that. Fantastic answer. Really good answer. What are you currently planning? A vacation. A specific vacation? No, it's right now it's just a hypothetical vacation. It's just the thing that gets my mind in a different place sometimes. Um, so I, I, I switch on and off what my planning activity is because it seems for naught right now. Um, mm -hmm. Planning a vacation. And I also like looking at houses for sale. We're not moving. Damn. We just bought yeah. the dream home. I love looking at houses for sale. Me too. Oh, yeah. It has been a great quarantine activity. I highly suggest it. I never want to leave this house, but yeah. I love looking at houses for sale. Yeah, and also, like, open up those parameters. You're not buying the house. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> look at them all. Yeah. Why oh, look I start looking at houses forward. for other people, yeah. too. Yeah, no, I look at them all. I right. love to see pictures of the inside of houses. Don't care if I will never be able to afford that house in my life. I love looking at everybody else's house. There's a, there's up. one other house in town that I love. Like, I would, I would upgrade. I would consider upgrading. But it's right across the street from that high school. So no way. Yeah, no. No. No, nope, doesn't matter how cute it is. I Palm Springs, even though I don't um, <laughs> probably live there. Yeah, I no, that would be live. fun. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, also, really fun to maybe, like, look at some Miami homes. Like, really get into yes. that Art Deco vibe. I like that. And idea. now, while well, they're still there. Yeah. No, no harm. It's a fun activity. Great idea. Great idea. Lastly, what are you currently loving? I am loving my morning routine. It is the same every morning. It is quiet. It is a candle. It is a cup of coffee. And it's my time to kind of reset and recharge for the day before, usually before the sun comes up. So it kind of feels like it's before things have started for me. Yeah. Um, and it's been really important in this time to keep that and keep that time sacred. Yeah. I love, I love that answer. That. Thanks. This is wonderful. This you, has been fantastic. This has you been guys like, are wonderful. Really Thanks really, for being really, so really open good. and honest and sharing. Yeah, no, this is absolutely fantastic. I can't wait to share this with absolutely everyone. Thanks. This has been absolutely wonderful. Guys, thank you so much for listening. We are going to head over to After Chatter and chat about glasses. I know we're going to talk about glasses because Amanda loves glasses. Ah, so we're going to talk. We're going to convince Amanda to buy uh, yeah. some some glasses. 
and we'll be over on After Shadow. You can watch that at patreon.com slash craftiestfemale. Come support the show, $5 a month. You get access to uh, 100 videos, 100 bonus podcast episodes, and you help continue to make this amazing show happen with wonderful, amazing interviews from people like Heather and incredible other guests and solo Amanda and I shows. So if you like listening to the show, come and support us at patreon.com slash craftiestfemale. And we'll be back next Monday with another amazing show. We love you and we hope you have a wonderful week. Bye, guys.